T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in, everybody. Hour number two of Sports Daily on a Monday. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, 869-1240. If you want to get in touch with the program, we've been talking college hoops in hour number one, uh, making our way through Wichita State, KU, K-State, everybody winning over the weekend. Happy to take your calls on that as we move forward a little bit. Chad Chambers producing for us. You can find us on social media. You can find any of our college hoops talks, as always, at kfhradio.com or on the Odyssey app. Let's switch gears a little bit, Tommy. Stay in the college sports world, uh, but shift away from direct college hoops talk and into realignment talk. This is an evolving topic daily. I think it's wild and crazy right now. I do think there's a finish line. But two things happening at the same time that I think are interesting. There are uh, rumors that the Big Ten may be looking to expand again and may be again looking to the Pac-12 for some poaching. This all has to do with the time windows getting out west. I, I, honestly, and and so the Big Ten rumors right now that they may be uh, interested in up to four more programs out of the Pac-12. I think that it's not unreasonable, Tommy, to look at this and say there's maybe the Big uh, Big Ten saw the kind of money the Big 12 was able to get and, and how they're sort of aiming at that time zone thinking, man, if the networks really think that's that valuable, maybe we need to reevaluate this and, and get further out there more. Um, you get that rumor alongside conflicting reports that the Pac-12 may be entering or, or, or have a potential suitor in the ION network. Um, now, look, I don't watch the ION network. I don't know what's don't? on the ION network, but people do. It's a pretty – I mean, I, I Awful Announcing calls it the 12th most watched network in television ahead of things like TNT and TBS. So let's not scoff at what the ION network is as a whole – but we can scoff at the fact that what is the Ion Network if you're a sports fan, because we watch a lot of sports. We've never heard of this. We, I've heard of it. I don't know what's on it. Um, I, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to look at what some of their programming is. Uh, but it's oh, not I can tell certainly. You. Okay, I hit, can hit tell me. you. Uh, okay, so if you're a fan of reruns of shows like Criminal Minds, 
uh, if you are a fan of reruns of shows like Law and Order SVU, um, if you like NCIS, shows like that, that's that's typically what airs uh, on the Ion Network. Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, it, it it's got it, it, and, and maybe I should know more about the Ion Network because it uh, because it <laughs> runs a lot of reruns a lot of shows we show on KWCH, but. It's just not I, – I think the point is we're sports people and we're not – you know, we're not reaching out actively to find the ION network. Um, I, I think it's probably a subsidiary network for a lot of local stations would be my guess, and we have some of those. Like we do the CW here. I, I think it's probably like that. The point of it all is it's not a traditional sports network. And the Pac-12's been flirting with a lot of not traditional sports networks. And I'm sorry, no matter what it is, not having, you know, telling your fan bases or people, oh, we're not going to be on ESPN or Fox or CBS or NBC or, you know, whatever. We're going to be on the ION network and Apple TV. And, like, if I'm a Pac-12 fan, I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Because this doesn't feel good to me. Like, and we saw, look, the, the numbers, the big, we talked about this in the first hour on attendance and how it's not just a Wichita State thing. And the Pac 12 is filling up 33% in its arenas for college basketball. And that's when you consider they have some blue blood programs that probably sell out every game, right? Arizona, UCLA. So what does that mean for the rest? I, I just, it is. It remains comical to me that the Pac-12 is clinging to whatever it is that it's trying to cling to, and scoffed at the Big Twelve, and and didn't try to do something because I think it's too late now. Like if you're the Big Twelve, would you merge with the Pac-12? No, I think you just go no. poach their teams. Yeah, you just go take their teams away. There, there's not a whole lot of value left anymore, and that's what has kind of surprised me about the report about the Big Ten looking at some of these schools because. If I'm the Big Ten, I, I understand getting out into the Pacific time zone and getting that that window. I understand all of that, but I don't just I don't see the Big Ten placing a major priority on getting teams like Cal and Washington. If I'm the Big Ten, I'm going to want to go after the four corner schools the same way that it looks like the Big Twelve might want to go after. That makes a little bit more sense to me. So I don't really understand the rumor of the Big Ten wanting to you know, maybe go after Cal and Washington and, and Oregon and all of that. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me in that mind, at least as far as like the top priority for them to get out onto the West Coast. The other thing about the Ion Network is that good news, if you're a Pac-12 fan, it's not like the Ion Network has never aired sporting events before because they have. They've aired football games from Conference USA, so they've done that in the past. Okay. But they've also aired Soccer matches from the Women's United Soccer Association, Real Pro Wrestling, the Champions Tour in Golf, the Paralympic Games, and Mixed Martial Arts. So, you know, th this is not their first foray into sports And maybe, the, look, now, if they have that many people watching, they might honestly just be trying to expand their footprint there. And that's fine, too, because it, the reality is we wanted TBS and TNT to become major players in this, too. If more people are watching the Ion Network, maybe they're just stepping up as this new bidder. I, I think it's more of a, we don't think of them in that light traditionally, but if they can put the eyeballs on 
on there, that's fine if you're the Pac-12. But to exclusively have that, I mean, I, I just don't think the dollars are going to match. And I could be totally wrong about that and underselling what the Ion Network's trying to do here. Maybe they will make that kind of a bid and try to become that kind of a player in this. It's just not the optics of it are never going to be good. Um, and I don't know how many ways and different avenues and outlets they would have to put all the games on. Tri- I, I don't know that. I don't know, like, what else do they own? Because I think that they own a lot of local stations, right? I, I don't I don't think it's like, you know, we'll just, we'll see. So along with that, though, by the way, uh, so that was that was a Brett McMurphy report, right, that, that they were interested. Uh, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic directly saying, Ion Script Sports is not involved in the Pac-12's TV negotiations, uh, quoting a source with direct knowledge. So it's a conflicting report anyway. So maybe nothing. Um, it may have just been sort of something that was floated around that doesn't have much legs anyway. But the reality is, and the bottom line is, Pac-12 just continues to take body blows here. And if the Big Ten does come calling for four teams, the Pac-12 is toast at that point. And if you're the Pac-12... Teams, if you're the other teams, let's say they come calling for Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and Cal. Bye-bye, Arizona and Arizona State and Utah and Colorado because the Big 12 will be there waiting for you. Like, that'll be it. If the Big 10 really does come poaching for four more, the Pac-12's done. I don't know what it'll be. It'll be, maybe maybe it'll be, you know, Oregon State and the Mountain West because I don't know what else you do if you're the Pac-12. And this conference that has been perhaps the most hoity-toity and, and you know, nose in the air, which is saying something because the SEC has worn that crown for a long, long time. But their approach to this and the rhetoric has been laughable when you look at the reality of the situation. And, you know, us hillbillies in the Midwest for the Big 12 who continue to show up for games who continue to sell out stadiums and arenas and show these networks that we're going to watch these games, guys. Like you, you will have ratings if you put us in prime slots and our product is good and our teams are good and we're committed to paying coaches. All of these things, what a miscalculation on the Pac-12's part. Well, I think the other thing to keep in mind too with the Pac-12 is I don't think you can overstate the impact that losing UCLA and USC has been on them trying to get a viable media rights deal. Because when you lose USC and UCLA, you're losing the Los Angeles television market. And so at that point, the value decreases significantly for any bidder, anybody that might want to bring on Pac-12 athletics onto their network, their streaming service, whatever, because you're losing the largest market that you you had in your conference. It's, it's gone. It's completely gone away. And so that's why it was so surprising to me that the Pac-12 didn't jump at an early deal because that you know there were bidders and there were negotiations going on early on in this process along the same timeline that the Big 12 was negotiating theirs. So if I'm the Pac-12, you, you strike while the iron is hot because you're losing your, your two premier schools in the largest market that you've had. And now, really, the, it's kind of done. Like, there's really the, the big money has already been spent on conferences. And so I don't know, you know, I think that you can absolutely point the finger at 
George Klyvikov, the the commissioner of the Pac-12. It's been a dereliction of duty on his part for not being more aggressive, for not going out and trying to get something done now because ultimately what you're doing is you're leaving the door cracked open for the other member schools in the conference to ultimately kick that door down and go somewhere else. And, you know, really the only thing that Klyvikov has done I mean, remember this, this was back in 2021 when he announced a strategic alliance with the Big Ten and the ACC. Yeah, how how good has that done you? Hasn't done anything good for you whatsoever. It's meant, really has meant nothing. It's, just, it's hurt your conference long term. And so it was a miscalculation. It was it a miscalculation. Was. Absolutely. On the Pac-12's part, they misevaluated their value and they misevaluated what this was ultimately going to become. We, how many months did we spend screaming from the top of our lungs, or at least I did, and, I, and this goes way back all the way to Texas and Oklahoma, Tommy. The, the instant reaction for me was, you, Big 12, you had better go get teams, merge, and get big real fast, or you're going to get left out in this. And Bob Bowlesby did that to some degree, right? He went and did get teams out of the AAC. And a lot of people at that time were just sort of like, oh, great, look at, oh, the Big 12, they're settling for, and they're going to add these teams in. That that was such a naive look at this. It was never about that. It was about, we got to get bigger and, and, and move quickly to try to get as big as we can. And at that time, I, I was like, why don't you just like, Merge with the Pac-12 and you can protect each other. Like, nobody's going to poach a basically Big 12, which is the Eastern Division, and Pac-12, which is the Western Division. That's got value. And Pac-12, like, that, the, even the idea of that seems outrageous because they weren't going to go do what the Big 12 did and add teams like, you know, Cincinnati and Houston and UCF and, Mem- and not Memphis. Um But those look like great additions. And BYU, those look like great additions now. The Pac-12 stood pat. They let themselves get poached, which we could all see coming from a mile away, right? Like, it still surprised us when the Big Ten did it, but we all knew this was coming. We all knew this was coming. And they just sat there, and they didn't expand. And when they got poached, they didn't expand. They should have immediately expanded and poached into the Mountain West. They didn't do it because they, they have this upstanding academic value, like bleh, whatever it is, who cares, right? Because um, we're talking about sports. Nobody cares about that other stuff in this conversation right here. And they didn't. And now they're going to get poached again, probably. And they may get poached twice again, and they may not exist five years from now. It is wild the miscalculation made on their part and the overcalculation of what their value is to the college athletics sports-watching audience. Tommy. When was the last time you went out of your way to catch Pac-12 action? Um, never. I mean, I, I, never is kind of harsh, but I can't think of the last time that I actually sat down and thought, okay, this is must-see TV uh, where I've got to watch something from the Pac-12. Uh, of course, As catching much- clips and things like that, but yeah, sitting down and staying up late, and why, I, I just yep. I don't do it. As much as it pains you to admit, how often do you go out of your way to watch SEC or Big Ten games? Pretty frequently. Um, right. All the yeah. time, especially the SEC. I, I mean, it's that simple. It really is. And I think if you 
took a law. I, I think if you asked the majority of the country, they would feel the same way, and they would probably classify the Big 12 outside of Texas and Oklahoma more like you answered the question for the Pac-12. And I think that the Big 12 got a real clear understanding of that much quicker and were able to save it and then become a position of power through it because of some creativity under a new commissioner. And it's just like it's night and day to see this happen. And and look, the Big 12, as far as passion and everything else, when it comes to sports, has always been ahead of the Pac-12. It always has been. Um, except for, you know, USC good at football and maybe Oregon. I mean, the Big 12's always been ahead. And, and, and you know, that's just the reality of it. Now, neither of them, in reality, had the sort of national appeal that the Big 10 or the SEC had. That's just the reality of it, and that's okay. But the Big 12 recognized that much more clearly and much more quickly and immediately said, you know what, these other teams do add value to what we're going to do. And that was... That was the early steps of then Brett Yormark going on and really capitalizing on the opportunities there because I'm not sure if the Big 12 didn't make that move, Tommy, if Yormark hasn't have the position and the power he had to go get the good TV deal that he got. I, I think they go hand in hand. And now they're going to be in another position. I'll bet you this on February 27th, 2023. I will bet you that in five years, the Big 12 has expanded again and is including teams that are currently in the Pac-12. I will make that prediction right now. I mean, I think it's coming. I think it is, too. Uh, I'm not going to take that bet because I agree with you. And I, I will take it a step further and say it wouldn't surprise me one bit if the Pac-12 in five years ceases to exist entirely. I think we're well, on that path right now. Because it, to your point, like— you mentioned what Oregon State and what Washington State and maybe you know Fresno State, Boise State. Okay, that's right. not really the Pac-12. So, I mean, sure, like maybe in name only, it might still be around, but right. it's it's not the Pac-12. And so, if we've already seen a couple of dominoes fall already, uh, you know, we're, I think we're still in the early stages of it. USC and UCLA was number one uh, as far as the Pac-12 is concerned. The lack of a, a new media deal and the longer this drags out, that's the next domino. And then depending on where things settle, if it's the Ion Network, if it's, God, the Cartoon Network, I don't know, wherever they end up landing, uh, that's going to be the next domino to fall. And then I think we're going to start seeing other teams uh, start to leave that conference too. And it's going to be conferences like the Big 12 and the Big 10 who are going to be right there ready to take those schools and welcome them in with open arms. And, and look, here's the other part of it, too, with Ion. There may be a lot of eyeballs on it. But I, I don't think there are any eyeballs on it that are – like you've got to go to that to find sports. When ESPN's involved, you can say whatever you want about ESPN, but you're going to get more of a chance that people just watch your stuff that won't. Because you, you, why do you turn into ESPN? Because you're like, I just need some sports in my life, right? Like let me just see what they've got right here. And and maybe it's a Pac-12 game. That's when I watch the Pac-12. If I'm like, ah, it's late. I don't. What 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 am I gonna do? Let me see what ESPN has. Let me see if they have a game. And maybe they do. Maybe they've got some Pac-12 game. And I'm like, okay, let's check this out. I mean, that's it. 
I'm not doing that with Ion Television. And that matters. It does matter, big time. If you're going to take a chance on a on a new network to do this, you've got to understand, like, you're not going to have a carryover audience. You're not going to have people that were watching something else. Like, you're going to have the people that are only going to it. Now, for Ion Network, that obviously has a tremendous amount of value. That's why Amazon Prime bid whatever they bid to get an NFL game, right? You're trying to get people to come to you. You're trying to flip that narrative and create that brand. But from a fan's perspective, I don't know. Like you're not, you know, you. and the other difference between like Amazon and that is that that was for an NFL game. We all go out of our way to catch every NFL game. We don't go out of our way to catch Pac-12 sports unless you happen to be a fan of one of those teams. It just doesn't happen. I mean, it's it's shown time and time again. Well, and you know the other thing too. To take that a step further, you're gonna you're gonna piss off all the grandmas that want to watch Criminal Minds, you know, marathons and reruns on Saturday afternoons instead of watching uh, or Saturday evenings instead of watching Pac-12 football. So uh, that's something else I think to keep in mind. It is a fascinating, fascinating thing. It will end soonish. It uh, will be through it. Until the ACC contract comes up, then we'll probably have to do it one more time, and then we'll probably be done. I think the other interesting thing is we're done, when we say done, I think that's at the higher levels. I think there's going to be a lot of movement at you know that second tier, the AACs, the Big Easts, the Atlantic Tens, all those. I think there's still movement that's going to have to take place there as well. Uh, but we'll get through it all. It is it's fun to talk about. It's a little unnerving if you're a fan of one of these teams, but... Man, at least we're through that for KU and K-State now because that was not fun. And now it's sort of exciting, right? Like, who could they add? 869-1240 is the number to call. We'll come back. We'll talk a little NFL. I believe it's Combine Week. We'll, you know, start to rev up the, the preparation for the NFL draft. And who picks first in that may be a bit of a question right now. We'll talk about that next on Sports Daily. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor with you. All right, lots of reports now, Tommy, that that the Bears are looking to shop that number one pick. You know, I had thought for a while that that was a no-brainer, right? You've got Justin Fields. There's teams that desperately need quarterbacks. But then the thought sort of creeped into my head of like, boy, if, if people are really that high on Bryce Young, and you think of him that highly, and you're the Bears, and you could, and you could get a controllable quarterback for what it would be three more years now than you'll have Justin Fields on the rookie deal, and you could, you know, you could take that and trade Fields. That was a somewhat appealing option. Now, I thought that Justin Fields, it, I mean, his improvement was unbelievable last year, and and 
showed us that he has the potential to be the greatest running quarterback of all time when you consider what that means in this era of some of the greatest runners we've ever seen. But he he did things like we've never seen. So I got no issue whatsoever if the Bears just stick with Fields and trade that pick, hopefully, you know, in their sake for a King's ransom. I, I, I think that's a just fine play. I think they've got two great options here. I don't know how I'm not going to sit here and try and evaluate Bryce Young versus Justin Fields. I, I, I have a harder time doing that as I get older because I don't sit and watch the combine and like review tape like I did when I was a teenager and a nerd about all that stuff. But I just don't have time for it anymore. So I sort of lean on others and their evaluations. I didn't see when I saw Alabama Bryce Young is this can't miss surefire, no doubt about it type of prospect. I think he looks good, obviously. But I'm fine to stick with Fields and trade that pick. I'm going to sound like my grandpa here for a second. Uh, what's that old saying? Uh, a bird in the hand is worth more than two in the bush. Isn't that the, the saying? You've got Justin. It Fields is, but right I don't now. know. I still don't know what it means. Well, I think it means that you know you've got somebody that you know, like it's Justin Fields is a known quantity, and that's going to be a little bit better than taking a gamble on something else that you don't quite know how it's going to pan out. Like you know by now who Justin Fields is. You know what he does well. Uh, you know where he can improve. Well, you at least you know probably, what he can be, right? Exactly. And, and you kind of know what it's what you would think it will take for him to get to the next level. And, you know, like you mentioned, he is one of the best and, and could be one of the best of all time as far as a running quarterback is concerned. And so you've got that uh, for a number of years more under team control uh, where you can attempt to try to build something special with Justin Fields. I think that that's worth more than trading him away and drafting a Bryce Young at number one where, yeah, Bryce Young may be physically talented and and could be a really, really special quarterback, but you don't know that. That's kind of a gamble, at least with Justin Fields. You know what you've got and you know what he can do. Uh, I think that that's probably the, the smarter play for the Bears to go ahead and hold on to Justin Fields and try to get a really good return for that number one pick. Yeah, I do too. Well, I do too. I think I do. Because I think what you've got in fields is a potential unicorn-type player. Like, you're talking about a guy the size of Cam Newton who runs like Lamar Jackson, right? Like, he's he's a big dude. He is huge. And, you know, I, I think his game-breaking ability on the ground we've seen, can he develop as a passer— uh, we'll we'll find that part out. They haven't done a wonderful job of surrounding him with players, and you know, he's had some bad lines and and just nonsensical play calling that was finally changed. What was it about halfway through last year where they're like, you know what, maybe we ought to let Justin Fields run yeah. a little bit. Um, that's why I became the the top fantasy guy for a little while there because you could just let him run. It's a really interesting dynamic on that team. I think that they could really build around him, and I think what you can get for trading that top pick when a player like Bryce Young is there is pretty is is pretty massive. Or if it's not Bryce Young, one of the two or three guys that people really like. Now, I don't love this quarterback class, but again, I'm not I, I'm not going to act like I know a whole lot about that stuff anymore. I think the Bears are in a really good spot. Well, yeah, and there, there's also that supply and demand, right? And there is 
uh, a pretty solid demand, I would think, for the number one pick for a quarterback. Think of all the teams that are quarterback needy right now that could yep. move into the top 10 and be able to, uh, you know, get Justin Field or get uh, Bryce Young with the number one pick. There's a lot of them out there that are, you know, looking for the quarterback of the future. I think of like the Indianapolis Colts or the Raiders. Uh, there, there are other teams out there that are looking for a long-term quarterback where they could take a Bryce Young and develop him, and he could potentially be that long-term long, long -term quarterback for the franchise. And so I think that it'd be different if there wasn't, um, if there weren't teams out there that were really clamoring for that number one pick to draft a quarterback. But this is kind of a perfect storm scenario for the Bears. They have the number one pick. It's going to be a quarterback at number one. They don't really need a quarterback at number one. But there are teams that do, and they can get a big-time return potentially if they move that number one pick. Yeah, I, th I do think it's a year where you can get a big return because I do think a lot of people are that enamored with Bryce Young. Um, and and I think of it too, like because the market for it could be really interesting. Let's say you're, um, you know, let's say you're the Jets or heck, even the Dolphins, honestly. Um, or a team that feels like they could win now that maybe you go, you pair Bryce Young with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Or, you know, you go get a, a veteran and, and you sort of cover yourself from both ends. And there are only a few teams that probably feel like they're good enough to do this, but Tampa is another one, right? Like who, who could be good enough with the roster around them, Carolina, that you go and you, you know, what about the Ravens marry... if they don't re-sign Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I, I just keep assuming that they will. But yeah, they would absolutely be a good candidate for that. Um, you know, you can you can accomplish both things because there are some very serviceable veteran quarterbacks that could both help you win now when you think you're good enough to win and relieve some of the pressure from the young guy that extends your winning window exponentially. If Bryce Young is the real deal, right, and you get that young cheap quarterback. Yeah, I, I just think the market could not only be high for the teams that suck that want a quarterback, but for the teams that are pretty good and feel like they're a quarterback away because there's a lot of options out there for teams to do both things. Jimmy Garoppolo is the one that jumps off the screen to me. Um, I don't think Derek Carr fits that mold as much because I think Derek Carr is more interested in being in a place where he's the guy for a while. But, you know, he's sort of fit. He'd be too expensive probably to, to do both with him and a drafting of that of that player, but it's out there, right? It's within the realm of possibility that we could see something like that. I mean, heck, if you're you know, if your team like the Jets, who's to say you couldn't, you know, you can upgrade at quarterback with Teddy Bridgewater or Jacoby Brissett and still take that guy and groom him in and be set both ways. I just think that market would be really high. Really, really high. For the Bears there, and and I think they're going to get as much as anybody's gotten for that pick. Yeah, I just think that the, all that speculation that was in place a, a few weeks ago about the Bears trading away Justin Fields. Yeah, you would get a good return for Justin yeah, Fields. I, I think that right? that makes sense too, though. I mean, if, if I, you're I, sold on Bryce Young, obviously right, they'd have to be you, sold on Bryce Young. You're going to get a good return either way. You're going to get a good return if you trade the number one pick or if you trade Justin Fields you'll probably get a better return if you trade the number one pick. Uh, and at least you know the capabilities that Justin Fields has. And, and I think it's really smart for Matt Ever Everflus and for the front office, for the Bears, to 
build around Justin Fields and to to put pieces in place, young pieces in place around him that will make him the best version of himself in running the football, complementing what he does well, and you do that through the draft. And you do that through getting a, a king's ransom for the, the number one pick. And I don't know how many draft picks you would be able to get uh, if you trade the number one pick. Uh, and I don't know if the, the Bears would be interested in getting any current players from any of the teams or if they're strictly looking at draft picks or a combination of both. I don't know that. But it, I think it would be – I think the Bears, again, are, re, are in, a, in a really good place to be able to set up Justin Fields for long-term success. Uh, let's get to the phone lines, 869-1240 here. Tom wants to chime in on the quarterback conversation. Tom, what's on your mind? Welcome into Sports Daily. How are you guys today? Well, I'm thinking that uh, my I keep people here saying Miami because they're worried about Tua. I think Miami is pretty secure with Skylar Thompson. I think that I think he can play in the in the NFL. You guys have a good day. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. I think I think that Skylar Thompson in the preseason was one of the great stories uh, for us, and the fact that he got to start games was you know really cool. I would highly doubt that the Dolphins' long-term plans have anything to do with Skylar Thompson. I think that they love him as a player, and I think they like having him on the roster, and I think that you know they they want him to be a part of the organization. But you know, over over three games, he threw for 530 yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions. Um, he, he he wasn't. He wasn't fantastic, right? He ran the ball just a little bit, not much at all. And he was on a team that has a loaded offense. Look, I love Skylar Thompson. Again, his story is incredible. And I think he's got staying power for sure in the NFL and will have a home in the NFL for a long time. I would be very biased and naive to say the Dolphins are building their long-term plans around Skylar Thompson. They're not. Well, let me say let me say this about Skylar Thompson though. I think that there are there were in the last NFL season much worse quarterbacks starting oh, for games sure. for yeah. teams around the NFL than Skylar Thompson. Uh that was a that was a good pickup in the seventh round by the Dolphins, especially considering that they needed him when Tua went down and then Teddy Bridgewater went down. Uh, you know, having Skylar Thompson in there, yeah, he wasn't spectacular, but there were much worse quarterbacks playing. NFL games last season yes. with Skylar Thompson. And so I think that that shows that he can be an NFL caliber player. Uh, I don't yep. know if we're talking about forever for a long time or if we're talking about for the next couple of years. I don't think any team is going to bring him in as a, as a starter. And I don't think that the Dolphins are going to want him to be a, a, a starter for the team. But I think he's shown that he can continue to play at that level and be uh, at least a serviceable quarterback in the NFL. Right. If, if Skylar Thompson ends up being like a, a starter, and I'm not saying it's not possible that he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL someday, because I think it's entirely possible. I think when you watched him develop as a college player and what he did in the preseason, we see that. That's why the Dolphins really liked him, right? But it's going to be a path that's not – there's not going to be a team that says, all right, the future at that position for us is Skylar Thompson. That won't be the path that he takes, I don't think. It will be that he's been around for a little while. He continues to get better, by the way, which he's always done. And he gets an opportunity and then plays his way into it. That will be his path. So for the Dolphins, 
right? If you're, if you're trying to like, if you're going to commit to Tua and just feel comfortable with your backup, that's one thing. But if you're not comfortable with Tua, your long-term plan is not Skylar Thompson. Your long-term plan is something else at this point. Uh, but uh, no discredit to Skylar Thompson there because I do like his ability. And I think that there's a reason so many teams liked him. He was drafted and that the Dolphins tried very hard to hang on to him. Um, as for the Bears, looks like it'll be Justin Fields. He has been an interesting player thus far in his NFL career. But man, if his trajectory continues like it did the second half of last year, there won't be a more exciting player to watch in the NFL than Justin Fields. He was he was must-see television. A game-breaker, Tommy. He was awesome. He was, and, and I think that knowing that and knowing the capabilities and, and where he is successful and where he can be successful. I mean, I'm, I'm not ready to say that the bears can be a playoff team next year, but well, they can if in they that can, division. If well, true. Yes, and if can. they can continue to build around him, watch out for Chicago. I, I think it's a no brainer to keep Justin Fields and trade that number one pick. Well, the only reason you wouldn't is because you evaluate Bryce young as, as that dude. And if you evaluate Bryce young as that dude, hey, then that's fine. What did I say? A bird in the hand is worth more than two in the bush. Uh, cheap quarterbacks are worth more than any bird. Uh, and, and Bryce Young stays cheaper for two more years. We still don't Justin really Fields know does. exactly what that quote means. Yeah, I, I'm I don't just going to throw it out there. That's one of those that you say that you think it's like fits in context, but you don't really know. I just need What's a, a bird in a chair. bush. When are birds in bushes? When I say that, yeah, yeah, I've never seen a bird in a bush. I don't think. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't. I also, I've also don't really make a habit of having one in the hand either. Eight six nine twelve forty is the number to call. We'll come back. Last full segment of Sports Daily on a Monday coming up. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
All right, Tommy, uh, we will discuss this in more detail on another day, but Major League Baseball is through its first weekend of spring training, and there's no question the rule changes to speed up the pace of play are having an impact. It would appear to me because the games are flat shorter, shorter than they have been in a long time. Um, you've got you know, players and managers. Brewers manager Craig Council said you can feel the difference. There's no doubt about it. Um, we saw a game end on a on a, what was it a pitch clock timer thing, and it ended in a tie. Um, I, look, I, I think that this is all good. It, it's going to be weird a little bit, but the players and owners, baseball has always been too stubborn to change rules and do things, right? We see the other sports do it all the time, all the time. The NBA creates a three-point shot, right? The NFL has... The NFL has more formational rules and guidelines than any sport. Yet we act like in baseball, if we tell players you have to have two on one side of the base and two on the other, that it's this sacrilegious, uh, unfair, unholy thing that's been done. But the reality is other sports do this kind of stuff all the time because they know it makes their game better. And I've contended for a long time that if you ban the shift, it will make the watching experience, the viewing experience of a Major League Baseball game exponentially better. Because there is nothing more boring than watching guys walk and watching guys strike out. And that's what guys are doing right now. It's it's like it's like we're all stuck watching the the Oakland A's in the nineteen nineties. Just brutal. Like give me, you know, stolen bases and give me batting average and give me the opportunity to see dazzling defense and Guys diving to make a play and not six dudes standing on one side of the infield and a screamer ground ball that should be a single as a long out. Like, it will make the game better. It will. Stolen base, a stolen base is as exciting, you know, outside of a home run as anything that happens in baseball. And we're going to get more of that stuff with, with these rule changes. I think it's great. Well, look at the way the batting averages have declined across the league over the last 10, 20 years. And, uh, it wasn't uncommon, you know, to see players have batting averages in the, the mid 300s. You know, they were the, the tops of the game uh, and they were exciting to watch. It was so much fun. And since the, the time of the shift and, and all of that, you know, we've seen batting averages decline across the league. I, I'm in favor of the pitch clock. Uh, and, and we've here in Wichita, at least we've seen it because the minors adopted it before the majors did. So it's nothing new, at least for for me watching a game, because I'm used to it from watching the wind surge and all of that. Um, so I'm OK with it in theory. I'm glad that they're introducing it in spring training to kind of be able to get everybody used to it. Um, I don't like the fact that a game ended in a tie. And I know it's spring training it's and that would happen yeah. in. That wouldn't happen in the regular season, but I didn't like the fact that a game ended on a pitch clock violation. I also didn't like the fact that it was the Braves and and they were the ones that were penalized for it. So (laughs) I was a little bit disappointed in that, but I'm glad that they're going to try to work the kinks out um, because I think what's going to end up happening is that you've got umpires and, and all of that who they've been told, and I read an article about it. They've been told to uh, enforce the pitch clock violations by the letter of the law. And I get it. That's fine. But there's also some nuance, I think, that is involved in that, too, where, I mean, it it goes down to like the the batter has to be looking at the pitcher with like eight seconds left in the like who how are you going to enforce that? And how is that going to how are you going to make sure that's consistent from gaming and game out every single time? So I think that there's some some nuance in there where you have to be willing to 
bend a little bit, but ultimately the pitch clock by itself, I'm totally in favor of. And just the fact that it's shortening games, making it more entertaining to watch. I'm totally good with it. I just think that there are some things that need to kind of be worked out here early on in spring training. Well, yeah, and that's why you do it right now. That's why you have a game end like that, and you're totally okay with it to give everybody a full understanding. Like, this is the way it's going to be. You can either get on board or not. Like, and, and that's the way they have to approach this. Like, stop with the unwritten stuff, and you can't get excited when you hit a home run. Like, throw all that stuff in the trash can. Because baseball has an uphill battle and that it's fighting with winning the hearts and, you know, attention of people. And in, in, in a time where our attention spans are the size of a gnat and it, you can either get on board with it as a player or a manager or you can go away because it's changing and it needed to change. Baseball had a problem with the way games were being played. It wasn't exciting for people to watch. You can't live that way. You've got to change. You've got to evolve. You've got to adapt. You've got to get better. If you don't like it, so what? You'll get used to it. Like, we, we'll look at this in two or three years. It'll be a part of the game. Nobody will care, right? Like, it, it's going to be better. Yeah. And, and again, I contend that it will be a much more enjoyable watching experience. And look, I love this trend now. And, and, you know, Major League Baseball, they've never been known as trend setters. But I like this trend of trying to find ways to shorten a game as opposed to lengthening a game. And we're, I think we're dangerously close. And a lot of it is TV networks and, and advertising dollars and things like that in play where you're trying to squeeze the juice out of a lemon until there's nothing left. You know, college football games are going four hours. You know, the college football football playoff was four and a half hours. College basketball games, you get to the end of the game, and if it's a one-possession or two-possession game, fouls are taken up the last 30 minutes of the game. Elam ending. Games take too long. Like, there are, there's this epidemic of games that are taking far too long to get finished, and a lot of it has just been accepted for so long because of all the added revenue for all the commercials and everything that you can squeeze in there. I like the idea with baseball They're going the other direction, trying to find ways to make the game shorter. Yeah, but Tommy, baseball has the advantage over the other sports because they're going to have the same number of commercial breaks no matter what happens. They don't. It doesn't matter, and and they and they can use that to their advantage. They're doing a good job. We sometimes baseball doesn't. They are in this case. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap on the network today when Sports Daily returns. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. 
Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.